How you doing, Chris? Another episode of Ask Knuckles Anything, and we're going to start it off quick. I remember you used to post a bunch of these stories on Twitter and other social medias. Did you keep track of how many stitches you got? Actually, I didn't. I, I can't. Oh, God, that's funny. I, I didn't keep track of them. But, God, when I think of all the surgeries I've had, oh, God. Because you used to post those scar stories. Yeah, I yeah I would post scar stories and stuff, Jamie, because Jamie would always say, "How'd you get a scar? How'd you get that one? How'd you get this one?" But <clears throat> it's it's definitely over two hundred, you know, with my surgeries and uh, my hand surgeries, my knee surgeries. Um, you know, I got cut around the eyes a few times. I had twenty five hair on my head. Uh, yeah, so I got. <clears throat> I got hit with a puck, I got hit with a slap shot from Gilo Fleur right here in practice. And uh, they uh, stitched it all inside, uh, you know, instead of, if you did it on the outside, what well, I would have that big line across my head, but they did plastic surgery on it, which was good. So I didn't have, I didn't look like Frankenstein. I got enough wrinkles as it is. And actually where the scar is, it kind of hides in one of my wrinkles. <laughs> Do you remember the first stitches you ever got? Um, yeah, when I was a kid, um, I got hit with them. You ever see them belt swings? Yeah. Uh, at, you know, I was down the playground, and I don't know, I was like four years old, and there was a bigger kid there giving me a hard time, and I cracked him, and he took the swing, and he kind of swung it at me, and the the metal piece of, that connects the belt to the chain hit me right in the eye and cut me open. I was bleeding like crazy. I remember I went home, my mother was screaming, oh my God, she thought I was half dead. But yeah, that was the first time I got stitches, I was four. Is there a rule about commenting on politics or language or do players in the NHL just use common sense when it comes to that kind of stuff? Uh, there's no rule. I mean, come on, there's freedom of speech, but I think that people are very uh, wary of, especially in this political climate, uh, you know, talking about politics because I'm sure people have a lot, of, you know, strong views on it. Some people probably don't even pay attention to it. Some athletes, you're all, sometimes you're in your own little bubble, but there are people that certainly pay attention. I remember when I played Big Surge Savad, you know, he'd been around for a while and Serge was really into pol political scene in the U S he's a French Canadian, loved Ronald Reagan. Um, and you know, I kept an eye on it a little bit. I, I love history, especially military history, but politics, <clears throat> I kind of stayed away from. And then as I got older, I started to pay attention uh, a little more, actually, you know, in retirement more so than when I was playing. Yeah, do you think that's because a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams in Canada, so maybe they don't pay attention to the U.S. as much, so maybe yeah, they're not saying as much? I think, I think a lot of Canadians do pay attention to what goes on in the U.S. because a lot of that affects what they, happens up here. Not mm. everything, but for sure, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, inflation in the U.S. and it affects it up here. We do a lot of trade with Canada, all that stuff. So, yeah, interest rates go up in the states; they go up here. Um, you know, so and they they watch the U.S. dollar a lot because, again, a lot of trade, a lot of people cross the border to to shop and do stuff like that. So, 
Um, yeah, you know, uh, they pay attention to it for sure. Uh, do players send their kids to private schools to avoid being forced to send their kids to French school in Canada? Did any of your teammates do that, or do you know anybody um, in Canada now that does it? Hard for me to comment on that, but I don't think so. I, you know, uh, I, I think people send their kids to private school here like they do in the States because some of the public schools aren't that good, you know. Um, there are some good ones, but not, um, again, not all of them. And I think for those same reasons, people in the U.S. Uh, send their kids to private school pretty much the same here. Um, I think, <clears throat> you know, um, the whole, you know, private school thing as opposed to public school, it's that, again, education, you know, and you get a, you can get a better education at a private school for sure. Mm -hmm. What was yeah. the lead into that question again? Sorry, I do players send their kids the, to private players. schools to avoid? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, okay. The players themselves, no, you know, and, and I know when I had my my oldest child, Colleen, I started sending her to school. I wanted to go to French school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to learn a language when you're young, it's a hell of a lot easier than when you're older. So, um, it can only um, help to send your kids to French school, I, I believe. But I don't know as far as the players if they do or not. But uh, And again, a lot of these guys have kids, uh, you know, a lot of the ones that do have kids, the kids that, you know, you know, maybe first, second grade, third grade tops, right? Because, you know, you only, you know, yeah, you're, you're not playing so this game when you're, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're not playing this game when you're 50. <laughs> And the kids, and I feel are, like the Canadians are, are so young right now too. Yeah, they're, they're so yeah. young with so many young guys that they probably they're not thinking about having any kids right not now. Not at all. Not at all. Not in this city. <laughs> no. Uh, how many teeth are you missing? And are you missing any teeth? All of them. All of them. All of these teeth are not mine. These are all implants. So when did you lose the ma the majority of them? While well, the I lost before, these after? four, uh, and I had implants in them, uh, and then though not implants, I had posts, and then um, I got them, I got hit with a uh, puck, and chipped them up again. It loosened everything in my bone, and then through my addiction and stuff, I had some issues with it, and uh, with my teeth and. You know, I had teeth left, but I ended up having them all pulled um, because, um, you know, it putting the implants in, it would have been better than, than, you know, spot implanting. This way, I, I just did all of them, and I have my molars pulled in the back and in the bottom. It was more my front teeth in the middle here. So instead of just putting those pieces in and keeping those few teeth in the back, the molars, I had them all pulled, and... Those are all fake. But the ones I got knocked out were the, uh, the top four. And for years, I had issues. I kind of ground my bottom teeth down. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, all of my teeth are gone. So I got new ones. They actually, yeah, a hell of a lot better than my original teeth. I can tell you that. You never lost any of them in a fight or anything? No. one no. never knocked one out? No, I actually, I sh wasn't a fight, but um, 
I after my first year pro, I came home and I went down the beach uh, with some friends, four of us, five of us. And a friend of mine, Paul McNulty, Nutty McNulty, uh, was drafted by the Houston Oilers. Um, he played football at URI, big kid. <clears throat> we were down the beach and we were all we all put, you know, band of soleil on and we're all greased up, Irish guys trying to get a <laughs> a sunburn, basically. And we were drinking and Nutty was talking, oh, hockey players, you think you're tough. Football players are tough. I'm like, yeah, football players, all you guys do. You know, you hike the ball and then all you big linemen, all you do is hump each other's legs. And uh, he, he's, oh, yeah, sure. So he, he hit me in the shoulder. So I hit him in his shoulder. He said, all right, let's see who can last the longest. So, boom, I hit him in the shoulder. He hit me. I hit him. He hit me. I don't know. We went about, I don't know, 15 times. And he, it was, he was hurting. And the next punch he went to throw, I went like this and braced myself. And he hit me, and it went right off the greasy shoulder I had and got me right here. And uh, just I knocked, he knocked one out altogether and then cracked like four of them. And I spit him out on the beach. And then I had, we showed up at the dentist probably an hour later. And they had the Y in my mouth and, you know, try and save the the roots of the teeth, the ones that um, were all cracked across. So um, that was a nightmare. And I went in, they came to dentist with me. I went in, I'm in there getting all wired up. I come out. And the four of them were all passed out in the dentist's office. Like, stunk. it smelled like a bar room. But, um, yeah, I'll never forget that day. That was it. Not in hockey, though. Nutty McNulty did it. Now, have you ever knocked someone's teeth out in a fight? Um, one kid, I had them in my hand. It was a street fight. I ended up fighting a kid, and his teeth went in my hand. Yeah, and actually were embedded in my hand. I had to pull them out. And then uh, I actually got infected um, by that uh, a day later. My hand was infected. I ended up in the hospital for two weeks, surgery, everything. Crazy. Human bite, the worst bite you can get. You're yeah. better off getting bit by a dog. <laughs> yeah. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's Raw Nux. R-A-W-K-N-U-X. So when was the last time that you beat someone up? Oh, geez. Uh, long time ago. We'll leave it at that. In retirement, my <laughs> some kid, my daughter's at a party, and there was a kid there, ex-girlfriend was a friend of my daughter. He ended up, showing up he was jealous because she was with another guy he ended up getting a fight and not um hit her his ex-girlfriend then my daughter went to jump in kid knocked her down 
and then I found him later, um, probably two days later, and uh, I kicked his ass when I found him. <laughs> I found him at a Seven Eleven, and uh, yeah, I kicked his ass all over the place, and I ended up getting arrested and stuff. I had to go to court for it, but he was—I th- think I might have been like forty. 40 years old, he might have been 23. So, yeah, that was the last one. So in your younger days, did you go out to Boston bars looking to start fights, or did you just kind of let them come to you? No, I I wasn't looking to start fights, but just, you know, we'd go out and, you know, growing up in the neighborhoods, we hung around on one street corner, kids hung around another one. It was like, who's tougher than who? You know, stupid shit. But, mm-hmm. you know, when we go out to bars and there were times you'd get in beefs over stupid shit. <laughs> it's always over stupid shit. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> then you try so and so justify Were there a lot of them? Yeah, were there we, a lot I, of you know, them? a few. Yeah, we had quite a few over the years. But, you know, yeah, I'm glad that part of my life is over. <laughs> so can you share any John Cordy stories? We all know he was tough. We all know how tough he was, but what was he like off the ice? Any funny stories? Uh, not really funny stories. I just remember John as a kid come in and, you know, he was on the big weight lifter, you know, always full of muscles and, uh, you know. Um, and honestly, in knowing John and personally and talking to him, he, he didn't like doing what he did. He didn't like being a fighter. Uh, I didn't like having to do that, but, and I know his dad didn't either. Um, but he was told at a young age, if you ever want to make it in the NHL, um, you know, stop fighting because uh, your talent alone isn't going to do it. And that's when he started fighting. He was doing something he really didn't want to do. And I know that for a fact because he shared that with me. And I think he had, kind of alluded to that in a few of his um, uh, articles and talked to other people too. But, uh, you know, unfortunate what happened to John. You know, he got got lost um, in retirement. And, again, drugs and alcohol, uh, you know, they're not uh, – certainly not a friend of mine. So I, this person said, I saw Anthony Bourdain doing an episode on food in Montreal. Is the restaurant Joe Beef still there? And have you eaten there? Um, I haven't eaten at Joe Beef, and I think it's still there, but he sold everything, Joe Beef. And uh, I saw the same episode, and it was awesome. I loved Anthony Bourdain, too, and I am I was pissed at him when he killed himself. Um, um, sad, sad story. You'd think somebody got it all going on, and then um, you see that. But, you know, when you look back at some of his <clears throat> shows, he, he always he talked about death. He talked about that kind of stuff. And you thought it was just talk, but um, it was almost like he was uh, crying out or, or giving everybody a, um, a little window into what he was going to do eventually, and he did it. Sad. What style of coach was Jacques Lemaire? Um, well, just, man, he, he was quiet. He was a great teacher. He wasn't a yeller and a screamer. Um, when he come in between periods, if we weren't playing well, he'd address it, um, and never really raise his voice. He, 
Even when he was really mad, he he stayed in control, always in control. Um, you know, very <clears throat> demanding as far as um, you know the your work ethic, and you know um, he took time with guys to explain, um, especially in systems that he put in, in on the ice, whether it was. And again, he, he's famously known for the trap. And I knew that I know the trap. I know how to teach it. I know how to play it. Uh, and it took me a while to pick up on it, but I did. And, um, you know, he was a real stickler for down low in your own end and playing uh, not man on man, but a zone defense uh, down low three on three because he wanted guys to be able to read the play and react to it, not just be a robot and skate around and say, I got my guy. And he, you know, I got my guy. And then the puck goes in the net and you'll stand there, but I got my guy, your guy scored. He, he was very, um, he was a stickler for that kind of stuff. And yeah, he, he was really good at um, getting guys to improve their game. Like every day we did in practice, we always had a puck on our stick. And his, his, his big thing with that was, how long do you have the puck on your stick in a game? He asked me once. I said, oh, I don't know, about 30 seconds. He said, 30 seconds? Who do you think, you're Wayne Gretzky? I said, no. <laughs> he, and then I thought about it. He said, you might be lucky if you have it on your – you'd be lucky to have it on your stick for 10 seconds in a game. And he said, when you have it on your stick, you got to do something good with it. So this is why I do these drills and practice all the time. This is why you have a puck. A lot of his drills were all puck oriented. You never just skated like over the boards and back. It was always mm -hmm. with a puck because he wanted, especially guys, like there are some guys that are just so good with the puck, right? You know, and guys like me, not as good. So how do you improve that? You always have a puck with you, um, you know, and he was, he was really good at, um, improving guys games on a personal level he he is an awesome coach i absolutely love jacques lemaire i love him now how does he compare to the other coaches that you've had in the that you had in the nhl he, he's the best i had best coach i had and claude rell uh, for a skills coach and teaching was another awesome coach uh, guys i really like playing for um i love playing for Mike Milbury, Roger Nielsen in New York was awesome to play for. My, I'm, I'm, most of my coaches, um, you know, a few I, you know, I didn't care for. Um, but, you know, you don't always have to care for or mm -hmm. um, like your coach, but you have to respect them to an extent. But yeah. I'm the type of guy, if you don't respect me, uh, <laughs> I'm not respecting you. You I think know, if I if asked Tim who his favorite me, coach it. was, yeah. So I think if I asked Tim who his favorite coach was, he would say Mike Keenan. Oh yeah, Mike, especially in <laughs> Russia. <laughs> Iron Mike. Uh, what was it like being a Hab for so many years and then suddenly being a Bruin? Yeah, well, I guess it was a little easier for me um, because I went to New York first. I put mm -hmm. after Montreal, and then. Um, when I got to Boston, I, I was relieved a little bit to get out of New York because of my itch, the injuries I had while I was there. But it, it was odd. It was weird, you know, but I always wanted to play for the Bruins. 
I just did, you know, as a kid growing up. My father, um, when I told him I was thinking of trying to get back there, he said, listen, don't come back here. My father didn't want me to come to Boston. You know, I never wanted to leave Montreal, never wanted to play for another team. And it was never the same when I left Montreal for me. I don't know how guys do it. You know, I mean, I did my job when I left Montreal and I worked my butt off, but I never had the passion, the connection and the love for the team like I did for the Canadians when I played here. But yeah, it was a little different, but you know, I, I had good teammates there, good guys, got good, good an opportunity to play with Ray Bork, Craig Janney, Neely, you know, really good guys. And yeah, it was, um, I just got there too late. I mean, it was at the end of my career when I got there. You know. Do you wish you could have played there earlier? Or, or no, I don't no wish that. No, no, no regrets as far as that. You know, the only regret I have is not being able to play my entire career in Montreal. So that's the end of the fan submitted questions, and okay. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about this. So the other day I was on Twitter and I saw that all all of the 2021, 2022 jack adams coach of the year award candidates are were fired less than 365 days after being nominated so do you do you see the same future for the 2022 2023 candidates well uh who was it monty the guy the 20, in um so the 2022 23 candidates are dave hackstall jim montgomery and lindy ruff I don't see it. I, I mean, it may. Who knows? I, I can't see how you fire Lindy Ruff after the season mm -hmm. he had. Uh, yeah, they got bumped out of the playoffs, but no. Monty, yeah, I, his first year in Boston, I mean, it was the best year in hockey history, and then they get bounced out in the first round. Um, I think he'll be fine. And then um, Axtell. No, expansion team, I can't see him going anywhere. Look what he's done with that team. It's incredible what he's done. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see it happening this time around. It may, but who knows? So of the 2021-22 candidates that got fired, who who are you most surprised about? It was uh, Burnett, uh, Gallant, and Sutter. Gallant. Yeah, Sutter could probably see it coming because of the um, um, season they had. They didn't make the playoffs. There's some issues there. Plus, his shelf life is always short with an organization. I mean, he stayed in L.A. for quite a while, but I think you could tell guys were just they were having a hard time playing for Daryl because he's so demanding, um, and um, he he makes you earn everything, and and – he he lets you know it if you're not working. So him, not so surprised. Uh, Brunette, um, you know, I think he had an off-ice problem. Um, you know, he got uh, pinched for I think, driving a golf cart, uh, intoxicated. He got a drunk driving. They let him go. So surprised? No. Um, and then... Um, Gallant, I just uh, listen. I thought Gerard was was doing a good job there. I don't, I don't know. I, I like him as a coach. I like him as a person. I know him personally. 
I was surprised. Uh, he he's the one I was most surprised. I think. Now, do you think any teams in the NHL right now could use one of those three guys? Like, I know you're a big Daryl Sutter guy. Like, where would you want to see Daryl Sutter go? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to go anywhere. You know, people, you know, the, some of the kids today, I mean, they, they just have a hard time with old school coaches like that. You know, he's not the guy that pampers guys. You know, I don't think Gallant is either, but he's. I don't think he's as difficult to play for probably as Sutter for some guys. Um, so I think the guy that may go somewhere is, and deserves to be somewhere is Joe Quenville. Um, you know, he'd be a candidate probably for the New York job and, and should be, but he has to be reinstated by the league. And I just can't believe, um, that he's still out of the game. He deserves to be in the game. It's a shame he's out of it. Um, but, uh, we'll see. I hope he gets back in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe.